One of the ways that we can understand what Jesus came to do, his mission, is that he came to reveal to us the heart of his Father. That Jesus came to reveal to the world the heart of God the Father. Because one of the consequences of sin, what it does, is that it distorts for us the image of who God is. It gives us a distorted image of who God is. And specifically, and this is the question that's on display in the gospel we just listened to, specifically sin distorts our image of the way God looks at the sinner. The way God looks at the sinner. So these three parables, this whole chapter in St. Luke's Gospel, one of the most marvelous parts of the entire Gospel, and it all comes about because the scribes and the Pharisees are complaining because Jesus is not only being seen with, but eating with sinners. And by all appearances, really enjoying it. And this is scandalous to them. Because he claims to be a holy man, he's a rabbi. These are people who are sinners. They know, the scribes and the Pharisees know what they've done. Their life of living out of accord with God's law is very public. Tax collectors, prostitutes, etc. These were the kinds of people that Jesus hung out with. And it doesn't square with their image of God. And so the question is very much, how does God look at the sinner? Because St. Luke is really clear, it's to them he addressed this parable, to the scribes and the Pharisees who were complaining. So how does God look at the sinner? Which is, of course, a deeply personal question, because it really is about how does God look at me? The scribes and the Pharisees kind of represent another tendency of sin, this fallen world, and what we tend to do is we tend to identify the sinner with their sin. So you are what you have done. They're tax collectors, they're prostitutes. You are what you've done. Unless we think that that's just kind of way back then in those evil scribes and Pharisees, I think it's on display all the time in the world of social media. What happens, for example, if someone posts something or tweets something that is deemed racist, homophobic, sexist, whatever label you want to put on it, but you're done. And the more so that you want to be in the public eye, in politics or whatever else, you're going to search through, we're going to find what you said and what you did that one time, and that's who you are. And you're an outcast. It's pretty amazing for a society that pride, and a culture that prides itself on tolerance. It's very unforgiving. It's very harsh. And this is the dynamic of sin, what we do. We scapegoat, we brand and this is what the scribes and the Pharisees are doing. And Jesus says, our God is not like that. He's not like that. 
When God looks at the sinner, do you know what he sees? He sees pain. He sees suffering. Sin always, always causes suffering. And if we don't immediately see that, it's not immediately evident, then that too is the workings of and the consequences of original sin, that we're blinded to it. Sin always causes pain, always causes suffering in our own lives and the lives of others. And so the Father looks at one who is a sinner, and what does he see? He sees someone who's in pain. And what do we do when someone is in pain? We want to help. The Father's heart desires to pour the salve of his mercy into the heart of that person. The Father looks at the sinner and he sees one who's lost. And this is the common thread in all three of the stories that Jesus tells. The one who's lost. And what do we do when something is lost? Think about just something as stupid as our phone. Have you ever lost your phone? Ah! My precious! Where is it? Ah! Right? Have you ever dropped your phone down the toilet? That's something particularly horrible. Losing something that, it's just a phone. You can get another one. The contacts are all in the cloud, whatever. You'll get it back, whatever that means, right? Just a phone, and yet we freak out. We obsess because it's lost, because it's mine. Have you ever seen a mom who's lost her child in the grocery store or the department store? Man. She goes into beast mode, right? It's like, ah, like, I have to find this child because my child is lost. It's mine. My child, and he's lost. If that's true for us with a phone, if it's true for a mom with her child, how much more with our God? Because we belong to him, and because when we sin, we're lost. And Jesus holds up three different ways really four, that the father relates to the one who's lost. Even the different parables, the sheep that just sort of, through its own stupidity, through ignorance, wanders off. Shepherd just takes it back. The one who's lost kind of inside the house, in the church, the woman searching. But then with the two sons, Jesus is holding up for us two different lies that we tend to believe. Again, the effects of sin in us. We tend to believe lies about how the father relates to us. The younger son has believed the lie that his father can't love him if he's bad. If I'm bad enough, he won't love me anymore. That's why he's got his whole speech rehearsed, right? He's ready to come back as a hired servant. Because coming back as a son is out of the question. He knows he's lost that inheritance, he thinks. And what the father sees, the father understands. See, this is the beautiful. The father understands what it's going to take for him to realize the suffering and the pain is for him to go off and to live this life of dissipation. It's a wonderful word. The image I have when I pray with this passage is, is it's like he's wearing a sweater. And as he's leaving the father's house, he kind of snags the sweater on the door frame. And then as he's going, and as the whole journey off to this far country He's slowly unraveling. 
He's just kind of coming apart. And fellow sinners, we know what that's like, right? Being overwhelmed in sin, just feeling, what's happening? Where is my life? Who am I? Dissipation. You see, the beautiful thing about that image is there's a thread to go right back home. It's the trail back home. And he just follows it and he goes back. And the father, of course, has let him go, but is watching and sees him from afar and welcomes him not as a servant, as a hired hand, but as a son. Because he never lost the sonship. So the robe and the ring and the fatted calf, because you're my son and you were lost and now you're found. He doesn't love you any less when you're bad. He doesn't love me any less because of my sin. In fact, it, it engages his heart more. Now, the other lie, the older son, the older son has believed the lie that his father will love him if he's good. Now, this is a tricky one because those of us who maybe have grown up in the faith, never kind of strayed, never maybe had a big conversion moment, maybe feel I've never really done anything that's like terribly bad, and very slowly but surely, there can creep into our hearts a resentment. I've been good. I, I've been here. I've been working. I try really hard. And I, what's there for me? The older son feels forgotten. I've slaved for you all these years. There's his image of the father. He's a slave master who just puts him to work. I've slaved for you all these years and you've never given me anything. And the father speaks right into that lie and says, my son, everything I have is yours. If you wanted a goat, just take it. Have your party. It's all yours. Like you have the keys to the place. Everything I have is yours. Both sons leave home. The older son just puts on the appearances of sticking around. And neither one of them has the slightest clue what the heart of his father is really like. See, Jesus wants to speak right into the heart of that, those lies that come from sin, come from woundedness, come from pain. And the truth is that the father looks at the one who is a sinner and sees not just the sin, but sees one who is his child who's lost. And because of the sin, he sees one who's in pain and who's suffering and who needs to be rescued whether they realize it or not. And he's never going to tire until he brings him back home. Pope Francis, right at the beginning of his pontificate, very beautifully, said, God never tires of showing mercy. It's we who tire of asking. God never, ever tires of showing mercy. The beautiful thing is that when we accept this, when we allow ourselves to be looked upon with mercy by the Father, we can say with St. Paul, this is what I was. I was a blasphemer and I was arrogant and I persecuted the church of God. Paul never forgot his own sinfulness. But he knows that that's not all that he is in God's eyes. 
Another place he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's not afraid to say I'm an apostle. Paul knows that God has looked upon him with mercy. He knows that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And so he says, I'm the first. I'm the foremost. Which means I get the most mercy. What happens, the more deeply we come to know the heart of our Father, the more deeply the Father transforms us so that we look at other fellow sinners and we desire to reach out to them and to show them the heart of the Father. Just a quick word to uh, the men who are discerning your vocation. There's nothing like standing, sitting in the confessional and getting to be the heart of the Father for a sinner who comes in need of mercy. As a fellow sinner, one who has received that mercy to show the heart of the Father, there's absolutely nothing like it. It's a beautiful, beautiful grace. Please, men, don't ignore the call if the Lord is tugging at your heart. There's thousands of souls that are so thirsty for his mercy that need to know the heart of the Father. Maybe you're depending on you to be that for them. In one way or another, for all of us as baptized Christians, there are people who need to know the heart of the Father. The Lord wants to transform us so that we don't look at other sinners as the scribes and Pharisees did. We look at them and we see one who's in pain, one who's lost. And one actually who's just like me. And he wants the words of the Father to echo deeply in our own hearts. Come and rejoice with me. Because your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gig'em.